Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's news talk radio, TNT. Happy Monday. We're ready to rock and roll here. I have my end the Fed coffee mug. Uh, if you can see on the screen, so I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. We got great guests the next two hours coming up. Uh, this first hour, first time guest, Michael Mahari, whose work I've been following uh, a long time, and it's great to, to chat with him. He's the author of a number of books, and he uh, manages Peter Schiff's shiftgold.com and uh, also the Tenth Amendment Center.com. Uh, and we'll be talking about freedom tyranny the state of the united soviet states of america and second hour returning to the program will be ron uns of uns.com perhaps to get his thoughts on geopolitics israel hamas and whatnot feel free to call in and when you do if you do call in please try to stay uh, on the theme that we are discussing that hour what's happening in the world today it's being reported that EU carbon tax could cost Africa $25 billion. Africa could lose as much as $25 billion annually due to the Fourth Reich's new carbon border tax, hurting the African continent's trade by penalizing valued added exports such as iron and fertilizers. Talk about neo-colonialism. A lot of the African intellectuals have been talking about this for quite a while, how this green agenda is basically green colonialism. It's just imperialism wrapped um, in the color green. So you know, how crazy is this, the, that basically Africa would use, lose $25 billion per year uh, to the EU? That would go to the aristocrats in Brussels, basically. They're, they're the ones taking everything home uh more un globalism news un climate summit serving gourmet burgers barbecue as it calls for americans to stop eating meat the ongoing cop 28 or should we call it cop out 28 climate summit in dubai is offering a wide variety of gourmet food options from vendors who serve beef even as it prepares a report that is expected to call for the west to reduce consumption of beef i've been talking about this for so long um, you know, I, I mentioned when I was a grad student in Geneva, I'd have lunch at the League of Nations building, now the UN Geneva, uh, and you know, they, they had nice meaty lunches. And if these people were for real, they wouldn't be serving meat at all at the COP28. Uh, it'd be bugs. It literally, I mean, if, if they were for real, they'd be eating bugs, um, you know, fruits and vegetables and stuff like that driving evs walking taking bicycles you know no private jets uh and, and you, you know what i did over the weekend just for kicks i was at the supermarket here in mexico and i bought i said why not i bought some bug salt some local mexican bug salt it's it's made with uh more precisely worm salt so it's a salt mixed with uh agave worms so um I'm learning to uh, stop worrying and love the bugs. <laughs> I'm just I'm just preparing uh, for that. Uh, also, what, what do we got going on? Al Gore uh, says people ha having access to non-mainstream information 
threatens democracy. He's talking about banning algorithms that basically allow people to skirt around the globalist propaganda. And, you know, I, I was just thinking when I listened to him and it just came to me, it's like, have you noticed that all these freaks, these politicians, these elites, these corporate lobbyists for the past 20, 30 years, all they talk about is banning this or banning that. I mean, how, how's that? Just let's ban this, let's ban that. They, they never say, hey, let's provide more freedom and, and, and liberty and decentralization. No, let's centralize power and ban the things that we don't like. You know, at what point are people going to like figure that pattern out? Um, so some algorithm ghetto news here, the multipolar uh, edition, facial recognition in Iranian metro is being used as a scare tactic to enforce uh, the hijab. Uh, I don't re recall if I shared that, but basically in Iran now, they're rolling out these similar systems. And and this report from Nigeria was interesting, where if, if I'm not uh, making a mistake here, I think now from all for all bank customers, they will require digital ID. And they say literally, quote, uh, where is it here? Failure to do this linkage of your digital ID to your bank account will have the accounts put under the category of, quote, place no debit or credit, end quote, which means no transactions will be possible on the set accounts. So you will not be able to buy or sell in Nigeria if you don't link your digital ID to your bank account. That is the future. Peter Schiff uh, has tweeted the other day, the national debt, not jobs, is the number investors should worry about. The national debt is just 100 billion shy of 34 trillion. It's on pace to hit 34 trillion before December 20th, exactly three months after hitting 33 trillion. The US is adding 1 trillion in debt each quarter. And Charles Hugh Smith, who I'm a big fan of, of twominds.com, uh, he publishes uh, yesterday, could America have a French style revolution he's talking about the growing inequality uh and you know he he says initially he didn't think so but now he's beginning to change his mind and a lot of uh, americans thousands of blue state residents leaving washington state and flocking to idaho bringing conservative politics with them so people are fleeing to what james wesley rawls calls the um american redoubt so people are you know things are on the move uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, real quick, give TNT Radio a follow. We're on all the major social platforms, including some alt-tech platforms. So find us on Facebook, Meta, Twitter X, Instagram, Gab, Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT the Finnish Security Intelligence Service, SUPO, has declassified a 60-year-old file detailing Lee Harvey Oswald's mysterious visit to Helsinki in advance of his defection to the Soviet Union just over four years before he assassinated, allegedly assassinated, U.S. President John F. Kennedy in 1963. Here with the story, joining me now is TNC Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, February. Not allegedly, 
Lee, Har- Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK. That's the official story. Don't believe me. Go Google it. Look on Wikipedia. That's the truth. If you question it. Yeah, anyways. Um, Supo, what a name. I love that. Supo, it's pretty Supo. Uh, so Supo apparently has been sitting on a, a file uh, involving, pertaining to Lee Harvey Oswald, the alleged killer of President JFK, during a visit uh, that took place in 1959 to the country of Finland. Um, so Oswald was adjudged by the Warren Commission in September 1964 to have been the sole gunman who fired the fatal shots from the Texas School Book Depository on Elm Street in downtown Dallas that killed Kennedy the previous November. The day after Kennedy's murder, November 23rd, 1963, Supo composed a memorandum into Oswald's Helsinki trip. trip that paints a unique, if somewhat incomplete, portrait of one of the most infamous characters of the 20th century. The newly declassified files show that the former U.S. Marine Oswald, then 19, checked into Helsinki's Hotel Torney on October 10th, 1959 for a five-night stay, but stayed for only two nights. Uh, That's according to a local outlet uh yle is the name of the outlet i don't i tried to figure out how to say this but i'm going to go with eel uh news uh this is what they reported on saturday oswald's u.s passport application showed his stated intention for the trip was related to seeking education either in switzerland or at the university of turku in finland however as eel notes uh oswald's application to the finnish university proved to be false and ignited speculation as to his true motivations. Despite their efforts, Finnish authorities were unable to discover more information about his movements during this brief period. Uh, On October 12, 1959, Oswald applied for a USSR visa at the Soviet embassy in Helsinki, an application, the Warren Commission would later note, that was approved unusually quickly. Details about his arrival in Helsinki also remain somewhat of a mystery. Uncertainties as to his exact route have led to speculation he arrived in Finland from either England or Sweden. The SUPO investigation, as revealed by the declassified files, found it more likely that Oswald arrived via Stockholm either by plane or boat. The Finnish intelligence service also determined that while in Helsinki, Oswald had been, quote, apparently waiting for a visa, end quote. It also notes that after departing Helsinki, Oswald arrived in Moscow, where he almost immediately expressed an interest in obtaining Soviet citizenship. Oswald spent about two and a half years in the Soviet Union, mostly in Minsk, present-day Belarus, where he worked as a lathe operator in in the electronics Factory. A separate trove of documents into Kennedy's assassination released by the U.S. government last year uh, cited comment from former KGB officials who said that, quote unquote, at no time was Oswald a KGB agent and that he was considered to be, quote, crazy and unpredictable, end quote, at least during his Soviet years. The U.S. government source added that Oswald was suffering from depression and homesickness for much of his time in Belarus. Oswald, who never formally renounced his U.S. citizenship, returned to the United States in the summer of 1962. He was shot dead while in police custody by businessman Jack Ruby two days after Kennedy's assassination. 
because uh, that's how we do it, right, Hervori? Uh, what do you think about this declassification? Rubbish. You can't trust the five eyes or the 14 eyes. Uh, you know, I think Finland is is included in there. Uh, you know, some people have estimated it's it's 14 or 19 eyes. But, um, you know, I was listening recently, I think it was a Tucker Carlson interview, or it may have been this documentary, Four Died Trying, that was um, just published uh, on the 60th anniversary of JFK's death. I highly recommend going to, to, to go find that documentary, Four Died Trying, it's one hour it's the first in a series and really excellent but i also think it's important to help the the, the people making films like this whether it's the independent music you know anti-system music anti-system documentaries so for a shout out to four died trying but in this tucker carlson or whatever i was listening to they said that basically it was i think mike pompeo under you know former cia head under trump who blocked declassification of further JFK documents and you know my take on this Finnish declassification is it, it it really doesn't first of all it doesn't tell us anything new and it just continues the the official false narrative and what he was doing out there in my opinion is it was basically just probably part of his CIA cover uh to make him out to be a Soviet agent uh, so people will, will look towards Moscow and not towards uh Langley and you know uh probably london wall street and and the the pentagon so i think that you know that's what's um going on and it was not too long ago that we re did receive further confirmation that um i think a few months ago some files were declassified on how oswald was um you know was a cia asset like you know we know that so uh what thank you ruckus my my JFK conspiracy theory game is not nearly as strong as most of the hosts and the guests on TNT radio. And I know there's so many different theories out there. Um, so I don't know. I, I really, really don't have a clue. What is interesting to me um, for some reason, because I was trying to dig into this some more earlier and learn why um, they had started a file against this guy. If he was just there, he was just going to go to school or whatever in Switzerland or at the university. Why on earth does the 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 special the supo uh, this is their this is like their uh, CIA or something equivalent, right? It's their intelligence service of some sort, right? I don't know. So I don't know what we would consider them equivalent here in America. But why are they building a file on this guy, right? So I really, from what I had seen, it was kind of evident to me that this guy was a patsy, and it looks like they kind of was set, were setting him up to be a patsy for quite a while. Um, I did see a documentary. I wish I knew the name of it. It wasn't like a full-blown, you know, slick production value thing. It was just some guy sitting on his chair talking, and then whoever made the video was interweaving footage in between. Uh, but the ultimate conspiracy theory from this guy just blew me away and made the most sense that, like, there were multiple shooters set up as contingency plans, like I forget how many, but I'm, I might be only briefly exaggerating, at least seven to ten different people stationed in place. They all took shots at him. They all missed. And the last guy set in place was the last one that got him. And he almost they almost didn't get him that day, apparently. But it was a, a massive amount of time and effort and people involved in that that hit from what I can gather or worry. <laughs> You, you mentioned having a file for going to study in Switzerland. Hey, I studied in Switzerland. I wonder if there's a file on me. By the way, about a decade ago, I FOIA'd myself, you know, Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, and I, I know it was the first time I did it. There's you know, there's a skill to to doing a FOIA. 
Um, and all I got, I, I, I did, uh, I foia myself to the State Department, CIA, and NSA, and all I got, I think, back from the State Department was all of my U.S. passport um, applications since I was, uh, you know, a, a kid. So that that was an interesting um, exercise. And so, anyways, <laughs> people should, uh, you know, do that, do that sort of stuff. All right, Ruckus, we'll catch up with you in a bit. We got Michael Mahare of Tenth Amendment Center. Uh, and Schiff Gold joining us. Uh, feel free to call in. We'll be right back. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, joining us on this Rebel Transmission is Michael Mahari, who serves as the National Communications Director for the Tenth Amendment Center and the Managing Editor of the Shift Gold website. He's the author of four books, including Constitution Owner's Manual. You can check out uh, all of his stuff over at michaelmahari.com. That's Michael, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y.com. Find him on Twitter, X, TenthAmendmentCenter.com, ShiftGold.com. Welcome to the program, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. I've been uh, subscribed to the Shift Gold website and blog for years now and following your stuff as well as uh, 10th Amendment Center. And so it's great to finally be able to talk to you. And before de delving into some of the issues, uh, could you you know quickly let the audience know about the work that you've been doing, your, your books, 10th Amendment Center uh, and, and Sh Shift Gold? All right, absolutely. I've got a, a number of different hats, as you can probably figure. Um, we'll start with the Tenth Amendment Center. I'm the National Communications Director there, and I've uh, been with that organization for over a decade now. And uh, I guess the easiest way to explain it is that we are all about following the Constitution, every issue, every time, no exceptions, no excuses. And 
we do kind of two things over at the 10th Amendment Center. We teach people about the Constitution, the original meaning of the Constitution, which is where we find the meaning of uh, any legal document. And then we also do activism. We work at the state and local level to try to use state and local power uh, in order to kind of roll back some of the federal overreach that we're seeing um, every single day. You know, from the what has now become probably arguably the largest government in the history of the world. So we use state and local power to kind of rein the federal government government back in and bring it back in within the bounds of the Constitution. Um, I also work for the uh, Shift Gold and write a lot about financial issues. I focus a lot on the Federal Reserve and the way it devalues and messes up our money, uh, as well as distorting the economy. And uh, so. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty narrowly focused to uh, gold, silver, sound money, and those type of issues. Uh, my most recent book is Constitution Owner's Manual, and it really just goes kind of uh, through the major clauses of the Constitution and explains what they mean through the eyes of the folks who ratified the document. And again, if you look at any legal document, the way you understand it is to look at what did the people who agreed to it think that it meant. And we find that uh, in, in the ratification debates primarily. And so the, my book just basically goes through a lot of those clauses that people have heard of and maybe don't know what they mean anymore, like the general welfare clause, the supremacy clause, necessary and proper clause, and uh, just works through those and, and kind of explains, hey, this is what the Constitution is supposed to mean. And this is how much power the federal government is supposed to have, which is much less than it actually does. Uh, I've also got a book called our Last Hope, Rediscovering the Lost Path to Liberty. And in that book, I talk about nullification, which is kind of the strategy that I mentioned earlier at the 10th Amendment Center when we use state and local power to kind of rein in the feds. Uh, and then uh, other books are ebooks and stuff. And you can check all of that stuff out if you're interested on my website, michaelmeharry.com. I, I've had legal man on in the past, and he talks a lot about, I, I think, nullification. And I chose this coffee cup uh, today j just because you were coming on. People Yay. can see it. And, <laughs> and the Fed from from uh, Mises. And, uh, you know, I think some years ago on my podcast, I did get to uh, interview Peter Schiff, and he does fantastic uh, mm -hmm. work. And, maybe you know, then maybe to get your sort of pulse, your, your take on the state of freedom and tyranny in uh, America, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I expatriated over a decade ago. I'm now a naturalized Mexican uh, citizen. And, uh, you know, for 20 years, I've been worrying about the Amer the decline of the American empire. And this, you know, I'm a former history teacher and professor. I, I just have been expecting us where, where as the empire declines, the economy is going to decline, the culture is going to degenerate and authoritarian authoritarianism is going to rise. And I think we're, we've been seeing that. I was just shocked last year to find that the Department of Homeland Security singled me out, banning me from PayPal for life, stuff like this. And, you know, it's, it's just a shock. I didn't lose any money, but it's, I'm still feel the shock that the government would go to that length, my government. And I never broke any law in my whole life. You know, I've been a good citizen mm -hmm. and just just for doing what I'm doing now they're going to shut off one of my ways to make uh, money. So your, your thoughts on, on, on where we're at. Wow. You know, there's a whole lot to unpack there. And I think your experience, you know, it, it, that kind of summarizes where we are with the state of liberty, right? Uh, we live in a world now where the U.S. federal government basically operates as if it has unlimited, uncontrollable power, it does what it wants. 
and it does it when it wants to. And, you know, politicians on both sides of the aisle will play lip service to the Constitution and, and limited government. But in the reality, the, the limited part of it never happens. We just get the government part. Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, in some ways, I feel like that the blame a little bit falls on our own heads, um, you know, because one of the things that if you go back to the founding era, you look at the mentality that the colonists had and you look at their evolution of political thought, uh, kind of moving from this idea that government is sovereign, which was kind of the British system. You know, parliament was sovereign. What parliament said went. And the colonists, they started to say, no, you know, they're reading Locke. They're reading Algernon Sidney and they're saying, no, maybe we're sovereign, not the government. How about that for a concept? And we've we've slipped away from that because if it is true that as James Wilson, who is a, a prominent founding father and one of the principal supporters of ratifying the Constitution, as he said, the uh, the the sovereignty remains the uncontrollable sovereignty remains in the people, and so it's up to us to hold the government in check. And I think a lot of people have kind of made a mistake, and and this started. You know, probably from about the time the ink was dry on the Constitution, people started just to assume that the Constitution itself would kind of enforce itself and and politicians would pay attention to it and they wouldn't step over the limits. And that's just not true. It's up to the people to really keep the government in check. If we want liberty, it's up to us to resist when the government oversteps its bounds. And we've kind of failed to do that. And we're paying the consequences for that today with a government that, I mean, you know, we talked about your experience. We have a federal government that tells us how much water we can have in our toilets and what kind of light bulbs we can screw into our light fixtures. This is not what the founding generation envisioned. You go back to James Madison, Federalist number 45. He said the powers delegated to the federal government are few and defined. And those which remain with the states and ultimately the people are numerous and indefinite. We flip that on its head. And the only way that we can get that power back is, is to take it back, to make efforts to push back against the uh, the overreaching federal government. And, you know, I, I focus on the federal government. We have overreaching state government. We have overreaching local government is too. Um, so the strategy is kind of a decentralization strategy. I think concentrated power is always dangerous, but the more you concentrated, the more dangerous it becomes. So when you give, you know, a handful of people in Congress and the president uh, and, you know, nine members of a court, so much power over your life, you're asking for trouble. And so we focus on the the federal government, but, you know, we can say that there's that that same type of overreach into our our liberties and our rights from all levels of government. And um, it's it can seem bleak sometimes, but, you know, I also see areas of hope. I see people like you. I see people that are kind of starting to look and say, wait a minute, maybe we don't need the federal government to tell us what kind of light bulbs we need. You know, maybe there's a, a, a little more general role for the federal government. So we're starting to see some of that. And we're starting to see some pushback on a number of issues. And as Thomas Jefferson said, the ground of liberty is to be gained by inches. Uh, we didn't get here in a day. We're not going to get back in a day, but it's up to us to really just kind of step into the fight. So I'm I'm pessimistic in a lot of ways when I look around me and see the state of the nation, so to speak. But I'm also optimistic because I know that ultimately the people have power and all we have to do is just step up and exercise it. All right. And uh, we'll get some more of your um, 
white pills your your optimistic uh take on the other side of the headlines tnt radio news for tnt radio news this is james o'neill a hamas spokesman suggested sunday that the terror organization could kill all of the presumed 137 hostages in its custody if Israel does not accede to its demands. In New Zealand, over 500 electric vehicles produced in China by Great Wall Motor are being recalled due to a software issue. In central Mexico, a violent confrontation between members of a well-known drug cartel and inhabitants of a small farming community resulted in 14 fatalities, including the cartel leader. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We're talking to Michael Maheri of 10thAmendmentCenter.com, also ShiftGold.com, and uh, he's the author of four books, and you can check out his, his website, MichaelMaheri.com. Com, and I'm looking at the interactive chat on tncradio.live. Some people are saying Peter Schiff was right. Uh, someone says Schiff has never been right about anything. Uh, and then uh, Royo says, Tomasi, I remember listening to Peter's first podcast where he came up with the phrase QE to infinity. But just to add to what you were saying previously about the bulbs, um, even here in Mexico now, it's insane. At, at retail physical shops, I can't find an incandescent bulb uh, anywhere that's what i use in my home I, i'm forced to buy them online uh and mm -hmm. then who knows how long that's going to last and you know th th those bul bulbs because of because of planned obsolescence they don't last that long um anyways but it's it's absolutely insane and you know al gore we have the whole cop 28 stuff going on and he came out again over the weekend talking about banning algorithms banning freedom that you know we, we shouldn't have access to alternative media we should only have access to the central um centralized official narrative and i was just thinking you know all of these elites politicians corporate corporate lobbyists if you just think about the past few decades all they ever talk about is banning this or banning that they never say let's advance freedom let, let's take laws away i i think maybe under trump he said for every new law that was to be introduced you'd have to re remove two um so you know they just want to ban this ban that and so you know your your further thoughts on this as well as I, I how far you know has the constitution been eviscerated you know especially under COVID they tried to shred a lot of the constitution and it seems like they're, they're replacing it with a managerial administrative state or technocratic scientific dictatorship and so you know how far gone is the constitution and you know can we bring it back from the brink yeah, you know, I think going to your first point, government is ultimately about control. Um, and I think people put too much faith in government to, you know, make their lives better. They want government to do a lot of things that it really was never intended to do. Um, and if you if you go back to the the founding idea, government was instituted to protect our lives and our liberties and our properties. Um, and it seems like today what we get is it's, uh, you know, attacking our lives and our prosperity and our properties. So, yeah, we, we've but again, it's it's the problem is the people. And I think what happens a lot of times is we are drawn to power when we think that it's going to do something good. And we forget the fact that the people that have that power aren't always going to be there. You know, you, you may luck out. You may have some guy that you think is great. You know, you may be, a let's say you're a Trump supporter. You may think Trump was great. But if you allow 
Trump to do things that are outside of the bounds of the Constitution that are beyond what the federal government is supposed to do, you're going to be sorry when Trump is no longer there. And then you have the next president who's taking that power and using it in a way you don't like. And, you know, the same thing goes for for people on the left. And, you know, you would think by this point they would understand that they were all for Obama when he was talking about, well, I've got a pen and a phone. I don't need Congress. Clear violation, overstep, presidential powers going far beyond what they were intended. And everybody thought, well, that's fine because Congress isn't doing what we want. And then all of a sudden, when Trump was elected, like, oh, my God, we've got this president that has all this power. Well, you gave him the power before. So the lesson there, I think, is don't count on government power at all. I think the path to liberty isn't getting the right people so we can give them power to fix things. I think the right approach is to try to take the power away from the government, take the power away from these people who are going to use it ultimately to abuse our liberty and instead take those take those things on ourselves. Right. And and again, devolve power away from the center away from the federal government, back to your state and back to your local governments uh, where you have more control over those folks. So I think that's really, really the key focus. We're, we're too enamored with power and, and we need to realize that power is what is the danger here. Um, I think it was jo uh, George Mason who said that anybody that gets power, I'm paraphrasing here, but anybody who gets power in their hands is going to be ever trying to expand it. They're not going to, they're not looking out for you. Uh, when they get to that position. So that's where we are. You know, you, you asked about the Constitution. Uh, I think we're a long way away from the the understanding of the Constitution back when it was ratified. And again, just go back to what Madison wrote in Federalist number 45. I'll repeat what I said. The powers delegated to the federal government are few and defined. And those which remain with the states and ultimately with the people are numerous and indefinite. Well, just look around you. You know that's not the case. But here's the strategy that we can use. I'm going to get a little nuts and bolts here. And when this actually came from James Madison, Federalist number 46, which interestingly is right after Federalist 45. So he's established the federal government is supposed to be limited. And then the next question is, well, how do we keep it that way? And in Federalist number 46, Madison actually gives us a blueprint and he says that there are a number of things that state and localities can do whenever the federal government commits an unwarrantable act. And what he meant by unwarrantable was unconstitutional, outside of the bounds of what the government's supposed to do. But he said this same strategy would work even in an unpopular act. Even if it is constitutional, it's just bad. This strategy will still work. And he gave a number of things that we can do. He started with talking about things that we're pretty familiar with, petitioning, uh, the governors can protest, things like that. But the key that Madison gave us was that a refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, if just one state does that, it will create impediments to the federal government. And if a number of states jump in at the same time and refuse to cooperate, Madison said it would create obstructions, which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. So there's your strategy right there. When the federal government passes some law or mandate that is outside of its bounds, vaccine mandates, whatever it is coming from the federal government, if the states refuse to cooperate with enforcing it, it's probably not going to get done because the dirty little secret is the federal government depends on state and local actors to implement almost all of its laws or all of its programs and to enforce all of its laws. So it's a team thing, right? It's a team effort. Well, what happens if half the team quits? 
It's not good for getting the thing done that, that the feds want to get done. And we've seen this play out in the world of, of marijuana. And, you know, no matter what you think about marijuana, it's not ever was not ever supposed to be a federal issue. And if you doubt me when I say this, just ask yourself, why did it require a constitutional amendment to prohibit alcohol? Now, nothing's changed since then. That's because they had a little bit more of a recognition of the limits of the federal government back in the 1920s. But marijuana prohibition should totally be a state issue. And today we have, uh, I think we're up to 20 or 21 states that have legalized it completely. I believe there's 38 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Meanwhile, the federal government says, well, we have complete prohibition of marijuana in the United States. No, we don't because they can't enforce it. And they've given up trying to enforce it because they know they can't enforce it. So we can actually take that strategy, that refusal to cooperate, and we can apply it to all kinds of things. Anything the federal government tries to do, in fact, you know, they can't enforce a vaccine mandate if the state and local governments don't enforce the vaccine mandate. In fact, I just saw a bill that was introduced or that will be introduced in the New Hampshire House uh, coming up in the 2024 legislative session, which will begin in January. And uh, the law declares that if, if they pass this, it would declare that the CDC and the WHO have no jurisdiction in the state of New Hampshire and that the uh, federal or the state government and all of the local governments and all of the local agencies would be prohibited from using CDC or WHO mandates for any policymaking. So that's what state and local governments can do. That's a tremendous amount of power because you know the CV, CDC doesn't have the CDC police to come in and and, uh, and and make New Hampshire enforce those mandates. So we're trying to figure out ways that we can take this strategy, this refusal to cooperate, and apply it to many many issues: guns, federal gun control. If the state and local governments don't enforce it, it's not going to get enforced. Healthcare mandates, EPA mandates, um, and and then kind of branching into more subtly, sound money when state and local governments make it easier to use alternative currencies, whether it be gold, silver, precious metals, crypto. When they open channels for those to be used, it creates currency competition and kind of undermines the Fed's monopoly on money. So we're, we're really just looking for creative ways to bring some of that power back away from the center and, and utilize that reality that the federal government can't do much of anything if we don't cooperate with it. It's, it's a strategy of resistance. And we're basically using other powers that exist to break down the centralized control that the federal government's exercising over us. And uh, you can go to 10thamendmentcenter.com, go to our blog, and you can just look. We're beginning to post uh, some of the bills that are being proposed that we'll be pushing in the next year that will, uh, in some way, bring power back to state and local governments. Yeah, th th that's an excellent strategy. Other examples that come to mind for me recently, you know, looking at Canada instead of states, provinces, provinces, right? Uh, I think Danielle, Premier Danielle Smith in, in Alberta uh, was just saying that they're not going to comply with Ottawa's um, mm -hmm. dictates when it comes to COVID or CBDCs or, or the green agenda. Um, and then, you know, guns, was it, I think, in New Mexico not long ago where the governor just put out a diktat uh, about uh, firearms and local sheriffs said, we're not going to mm -hmm. um, in, in enforce it. So, you know, really good examples. Even during COVID here in Mexico, there was one state where uh, I think it was Mazatlan, where the Mexican, the, the governor said, you can't enter, you can't buy or sell food. You, you can't buy food unless you get a vaccine passport. And it was completely against the Mexican constitution. And the lawyer helped like 500 people get an injunction 
which you know said it's, it's not legal and then with these injunctions people could walk into the supermarkets and buy food and the governor eventually said all right i give up you know it's the exact strategy as you said you know if, if we get a critical mass of people not complying then the, they have to um you know uh give up it's it's time for our break uh michael again People can call in the websites, 10thamendmentcenter.com, shiftgold.com. I want to get a little bit uh, into the economy as well. We'll be right back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. This is so obviously a PR-driven false narrative psyop. It's hard to believe anyone could buy it, much less get excited by it. But I guess they're right. You can fool some of the people all of the time. I'm talking, of course, about the latest love of the decade, Taylor Tay-Tay Swift, who is elevated to stardom by singing whiny songs about all her failed relationships. And Kansas City Chiefs tight end and Pfizer vaccine shill, Travis Kelsey. This isn't a romance. This is the Hollywood music industry and the NFL combining to push Joe Biden across the finish line next November. And along the way, Tay-Tay's gonna get the job done by pushing abortion. Her traditional audience was preteen girls, and she's trying to get that a little older demographic, the voting age demographic. Will it work? Time will tell. I just hope that people wake up before it's too late. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. A year ago, I couldn't afford the rent anymore. I had no support and I was out of options. I had to sleep wherever I could. I thought, am I going to be out here on Christmas Day? Your urgent donation of £29.73 could help make this Christmas the first day of someone's life beyond homelessness. I'm so glad crisis was there. I could finally get warm. I had someone in my corner. We got something for you. This Christmas, I'm here, home, because my first day at crisis was my last day on the streets. This Christmas, thousands more people across the UK will be facing homelessness. We urgently need your donation. Search Crisis at Christmas or scan the QR code to give £29.73 now. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Time is flying. It's our final segment with Michael Mahare, National Communications Director for 10thAmendmentCenter.com, uh, also managing editor of ShiftGold.com. He's got a number of books which you can purchase, the latest being, um, oof, I forgot the a name uh constitution owners manual i was looking at it uh over here on amazon you can get it in kindle or uh the physical edition and maybe to get your thoughts on the economy i think your most recent post was on bidenomics um so you know your thoughts on the state of the economy inflation uh, i'm worried about that because it seems like part of this great uh great reset project this neo-feudalism is to erase the middle class uh, and bring us back a thousand years where it's only us serfs and plebs and them the uh, aristocracy and so uh, all across the globe not just in the u.s i'm I'm seeing and hearing from people you know average middle class people who have full-time jobs professionals they're being priced out of the housing market they can't buy a home uh inflation you know food uh energy unemployment people are now working multiple jobs 
just to stay afloat and then you know the the national debts uh your, your sort of thoughts on where we're at with that yeah i think that we are in for a rude awakening with this it's it's really a bubble economy the u.s economy unfortunately is built on debt and borrowing and that's true of the consumer the the consumer debt uh data just came out for the uh, month of october there's a two-month lag on that data and uh just credit card debt alone revolving credit it's over 1.3 trillion dollars right now um basically what happened is during covid people uh they got all these stimulus checks uh so they didn't even have to go to work and they were bringing in this money and they couldn't go anywhere and spend it so they paid down their credit cards and they put a bunch of money in savings and then after the pandemic ended, we started to see this price inflation creep in, which was no shock when the government literally creates four plus trillion dollars out of thin air and injects it into the economy uh, at a time when production is actually being pulled back because of the, the pandemic restrictions. Well, obviously, prices are going to go up. That's just economics 101. That's price inflation caused by monetary inflation. And so this was no surprise, but of course the the officials at the Fed and the government they denied this and they said, "Oh, it's transitory," until they couldn't say that anymore. And uh, so then we've we've raised interest rates to a relatively high 5.25 to 5.5%. Now, in historical terms, that's not very high at all, but for an economy that is buried in debt, almost 33 trillion dollars in uh or I think we're over 33 trillion now in federal national debt. Uh 17 plus trillion dollars in household debt when you count mortgages uh then corporations buried into everybody's in debt so you start raising interest rates i mean it, it's it's not a mystery of what's going to happen but people have this false sense of security right now because we've been in a relatively higher interest rate environment now for uh, several months nothing's happened and people forget there's a lag and if you go back and look at the 2008 financial crisis and and for the whoever it was that said that uh, Peter Schiff was never right about anything just go back and listen to him in 2006 and 2007 predicting the housing crisis that would ultimately lead to a financial crisis he was absolutely right about that and we're playing the same scenario out again and it's interesting if you go back and look back in 2006 is when interest rates reached their peak and they actually were cutting interest rates in 2007 uh, and then we didn't have the huge crash until late in 2008. So this takes time to play out. And I really do believe that with interest rates being as high as they are, with money being restricted, uh, and with the money presses not running right now, that we're going to see something else break in the economy. We've already seen a financial crisis, right? We saw the banking crisis and the Fed ma managed to stick its finger in that dam uh, by creating a bailout program, which incidentally, a bunch of banks are still tapping into that bailout program for the failed banks. Uh, it added like another $3 billion uh, in November. So that financial crisis is still bubbling under the surface, but we've got bubbles everywhere. We've got uh, a huge problem in commercial real estate, something else is going to break. And at that point, you're going to see a major recession, I believe, comparable or worse than the 2008 financial crisis and the, and the Great Recession. And I also think you're going to continue to see more inflation. Uh, so we're going to have the double whammy of inflation and a, a tanking economy, which is popularly known as stagflation. I think that's what's coming down the pike. Because what's going to happen as soon as the economy starts to crash, the Fed is going to pump up those uh, printing presses, you know, fire them up, start printing out dollar bills again, and that is inflation. And 
I think we have a, a little bit of a disconnect with a lot of people because they think inflation is just rising prices. And that's not necessarily the real definition of inflation. Prices can rise or fall for all kinds of reasons. When we talk about inflation, we're really talking about government money creation, and it raises all prices together. It's not just like an oil shock or some other kind of uh, supply or demand change that causes a price to rise. It is a general rise in prices that's caused by an increase in the money supply. That's what the Fed during, did during COVID, and that's what the Fed is going to do again as soon as we have the next uh, financial crisis. And I think everybody out there knows, you know, yes, prices aren't rising as fast as they were last year, but they're still rising. And I think everybody that goes to the gas station or goes to the grocery store recognizes that things are much tighter than they were a year ago. So I'm not at all sanguine about the state of the economy. I think we're we're in a kind of a, a, a calm before the storm situation right now. And, and I really do think that we're going to see um, some significant uh, earthquakes in our economy in the next one to two to three years. That said, I, I, would, I was just going to say, I was going to give you the optimistic side of that. Um, we can be prepared for that to some degree by, you know, sheltering our wealth and our assets away from dollars into alternative currencies, gold, silver, crypto, um, you know, different things that we can do. Maybe maybe foreign stocks where we're sheltered from the dollar. I think the dollar is where the problem is going to be. But there are ways that we can at least shelter our wealth and position ourselves as best we can if we know what's coming. And we still have time to do that. Yeah. And, you know, on top of what you said, um, farmland, uh, goats, uh, you know, cows, re real assets. And mm -hmm. I I'm worried, as you mentioned, yeah, uh, uranium is, is uh, looking good. But uh, I'm worried that uh, you mentioned the bailouts, that they um, might switch to bail-ins like they did in cyprus and and lock us into that via cbdc's you know a cashless system and that, well, that's one of my biggest fears is the the this cbdc system where all nations are working on it um and a guest that i've interviewed a couple years back the jewish historian edwin black and he talks about the algorithm ghetto where you know if if, if they get managed to get us into the, the to this completely virtual system if you commit a thought crime You'll just, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you people are getting debanked now for thought crimes in the West, Canada, Australia. It's happened in Brazil, U.S. and in, in, in Germany now. Alina Lip, the German journalist, they shut off her bank account and her parents' bank accounts, who had nothing to do with anything because they didn't like the way she was reporting on um, Ukraine. So, any, any thoughts on this push for uh, CBDCs? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's a. Uh... You see the damage that central banking, and, and this is true in America with the dollars, but it's also true in, in every country. You know, in England, the pound has been devalued by the Bank of England. Uh, you know, you go to the the euro block, uh, the, uh, the uh, Central Bank of Europe, the uh, ECB, devalued the, uh, the uh, euro. Japan's devalued the yen. So we see what government does when it destroy, when it gets a hold of money, it creates too much of it and it destroys its value. And, and the way you shelter from that is to have real money or hard money. Um, and again, uh, you know, old school, precious metal, silver and gold, uh, maybe crypto and, and Bitcoin or, or some of those other things. So you have to kind of decide what works for you or maybe a mix of all of those things. But you want to 
shield yourself as much as you can from these fiat currencies because exactly what you're talking about is what they're going to push for. So everything's digitalized, right? At least today we can take a stack of bills and put them in our safe or put them under our bed or something. And we can still operate in the economy without having, you know, our ability to purchase just shut off with the uh, push of a button. But if it goes to CBDC and they get rid of hard currency, you're going to need to develop to develop alternate ways to transact business with people, or you're going to be at risk from being debanked or, you know, having your your ability to do uh, transactions cut off because they're going to have that power. Now they're not going to tell you those. Oh no, that will never happen. You're paranoid. Okay, maybe I am, but uh, I, I think there's reason to be if we look at history, right? We know that government, again, it's about control. And if they have the ability to cut you off because they don't like what you're saying or doing, they're going to do it. So uh, I highly recommend folks try to put at least some of their wealth into hard assets, into commodities, into things that you can put your hands on that are not going to be subject to control, direct control of the government and the banking system. Yeah, and uh, people can uh, go to shiftgold.com. Uh, Last week, I had on Adriana Reed of Camino uh, Coin. And, and to make clear, I had one listener write in, I don't, we don't, there's no money here. I, I love to, you know, I get I get the guests on whose work I appreciate, who who I followed for years. And I, I want to recommend their their books, the, the the work that they're doing, because it's very important. Uh, you know, the, the work that you're doing at 10th Amendment Center, you're, uh, you know, uh, on the front lines, uh, pushing back against this tyranny. We're, we're a little over two minutes to midnight. Um, you know, any other uh thoughts uh on ways to push back against this tyranny prepare uh i think next year is going to be total chaos 2024 elections they're talking about cyber attacks um the the wars that are brewing uh you know any any other thoughts well i, I would really encourage people if if i could leave people with one message something practical that you can do to advance liberty i would say don't focus exclusively on what's happening in washington dc we're coming up to an election year. People get wrapped up in presidential elections. I say this all the time. The system is broken. You're not going to fix it by changing out a president. It's like trying to fix a broken down car by changing out the driver. Car still ain't going anywhere. So at least focus some of your attention on your state and local governments. Find out who your representatives and your senators are in your state legislature, your governor, your lieutenant governors. Those are important people that can be a bulwark of liberty no matter what's going on in the federal government or even out in the world. So, you know, I'm not saying don't pay attention to the national politics at all, but I'm saying at least focus some of your attention on those state and local races and try to get good liberty minded people in power at the state and local level because they have the capability to push back against the, the bigger governments that you don't have nearly as much control over. So I, I want to change people's perspective. Uh, I like the idea of, 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 you know, think big, but act local. Take back that old slogan that the uh, that the left used to use, you know, think local or think uh, think world or I don't know. I can't remember it now, but I like to say think local, act local. And uh, and then we can push back from the bottom up instead of trying to fix things from the top down. That would be the message I would love to leave with people to kind of as food for thought. I, I would totally agree. And Michael, thanks for coming on. 30 seconds left. Tell us again, best websites to, uh, of yours to visit projects and so forth. Yeah, go to 10thamendmentcenter.com. That's the first place I'd love for you to go and uh, check out our State of the Nullification Movement report. You can download it for free. There's absolutely no obligation. Just stick your email in there. You'll get the 
this beautiful pamphlet that will explain this whole nullification strategy. That's where I'd love for you to go. If you want to get gold and silver, go to shiftgold.com. Uh, and if you want to follow kind of the economic news, you can go to shiftgold.com slash news and check out things that are over there. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.